Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to talk to you today about how often we get ourselves into a situation, lots of times, well, most of the time, it's our own fault, but then we want to say, well, couldn't God have done something to help me there? A Christian veteran uh, was relating some of his experiences in the Vietnam War when his company was separated from the main body of troops. They were cut off and surrounded by the Viet Cong for days. Their food and water ran out. Knowing that they had no food and water, the enemy sent a messenger every little while suggesting that they'd be wise just to surrender. One night with no food and no water and with only one shell left, they held a consultation as to what to do next. And they decided to pray to God for his help then fire their last shell into the night as a signal to their main unit that was trying to reach them. After the shell had exploded, the only thing to do was to wait. In the morning, they heard the hum of a motor overhead. It was a plane from their headquarters flying over the surrounded soldiers. It dropped packages of food and canteens of water. One of the packages had a note that said, Don't give up. We're, we are coming. For several days, the planes passed overhead, and the bread and water were dropped down, always accompanied with a message, hold on. Then there was the roaring of artillery and the march of infantry, and the lost battalion was rescued and taken back to their own lines safely. You know, we too are surrounded by the enemy. When we're in a tight place, when we have had one of those days, you know, Satan whispers, better surrender. Why not give up? It, it is hopeless to fight on. But when the devil says surrender, God sends along a message of hope. Don't give up. I'm coming. The apostle Paul felt he was about to be defeated by something Satan was using to harass him, and he prayed for God to remove it. He, he called it a thorn in the flesh. And people have tried to surmise what that might be. Paul didn't let us know what it was, because in that way, when we have problems, we can relate to what happened to him. God told him to hang on because God's grace was sufficient and the victory was already there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7-10, Paul says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so... To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever been in a hard situation and asked God, can't you do something to help me? I wonder if we understand God's purpose in our lives. Why should we think that God's obligated to protect us from everything? God has one purpose in our lives now and only one goal for us in the future. His, object, his objective is that Christ be glorified in us. There is no other purpose for the present. Christ prayed before he went to the cross that he'd be glorified in the little group of men that followed him. 
And that's still what he wants in the lives of Christians today. God's future goal for us is to be glorified in him. Think of it. Someday we'll be like Jesus, who is now at the right hand of the Father. See what the Bible says about God's objectives for us. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Hebrews chapter 12, 10, 11 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. You know, no discipline, Paul is saying, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in, in this way. Why does God discipline us? It's so that we'll have a part in his holiness. To be honest, I'd rather forget the discipline part and just have the peaceful harvest of the right living. But it doesn't work that way. We'd, we'd all prefer sainthood before we go through the refining furnace. We forget nothing happens in our lives that God hasn't allowed. God wants to mold our lives into something beautiful and useful to his glory. The Apostle Paul gained a wonderful insight. He'd been going through a trial and felt defeated, that thorn in the flesh that he was talking about. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says again, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so, so to keep me from being pr proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. We want to skip those thorns in the flesh. We question God's love and wisdom when they come. God, why did you let this happen to me? Can't you do something about this? I mean, it's me. You know I'm special. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Have you been there? Do you know the victory of glorying in your infirmities? It's, it's not that we like infirmities. That, that's not what Paul is saying. We may never care for the infirmities or the reproaches. What we want is the power of Christ to rest upon us. We want that power. We want to work for the Lord, but we don't want to endure the thorn of the flesh. We, we'd like uh, to serve God efficiently and effectively in full health and with no opposition. We want the power of Christ showing us, not through some bodily ailment. That's not how we really want it, but that's how Paul came to accept it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If we want God's strength in our weakness, 
it may take a thorn of the flesh in the flesh it's nice to have god's strength supporting us but we don't want what usually brings the experience we want the roses without the thorns i've heard so many people say well i shouldn't have to go through rough places or give up things i want to because give up the things i want because god wants me to be happy you know, years ago, I knew a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene who gave up his church, left his wife and kids, and moved in with another woman saying he had a right to do this because his wife nagged him and treated him more like she was his mother than his wife, and he was just unhappy with the whole situation. And he said to me, God wants me to be happy. Listen to me. God is more interested in your obedience than he is in your being happy. Besides, a right relationship with God will bring joy to your life, and that is far superior to just happiness. But I think you'll find greater happiness, too, when you're in the center of God's will. The only way our Christian growth is going to happen is through the thorns. Jesus never promised an easy life. He said, take up your cross and follow me. You know, crosses aren't usually easy, but they are fulfilling, and they do make us stronger. Remember, God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. Instead, he kept him in the lion's den. That was a far more wonderful thing. Anybody can avoid being bitten by a lion if there are no lions around to bite you, but what an experience Daniel had that I have missed. How wonderful to testify about being in a lion's den with those big, shaggy, hungry cats wanting to tear him limb from limb, but they couldn't even open their mouths. God had closed their mouths. Daniel couldn't have had that experience except in the lion's den. We want to feel God's nearness. We, we, we want to realize God's power, but not in the lion's den. Maybe that's why we don't sense a nearness to God. God could have kept the three Hebrews out of the fiery furnace. Instead, he let them be in there with, with it heated seven times hotter than usual. It was so hot that even the guards that threw them in the furnace died and were overcome and died because of the horrible heat. But what happened in the furnace? The fire burned off their fetters. Do you want your fetters to go? Oh, we say, oh yes, but not inside a fiery furnace. Lord, let my fetters be burned off outside the furnace. Maybe a little bonfire that'll burn them off, but not a fiery furnace. Lord, I don't want victory that much. Well, the Lord came down and walked in the furnace with them, and the, and the heathen king Nebuchadnezzar saw there was a fourth man in the furnace. And he called, he said, Guards, guards, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? How come is there a fourth man in there that looks like the Son of God? You know, what a mighty, wonderful God we serve. Old Nebuchadnezzar began to say, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out! <laughs> and they came out, and he was just overwhelmed with how great their God was to protect them, even in this circumstance. Let me tell you, our God is great to protect us in every circumstance, too. Do you want to know him better? Would you like to have an experience like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with God? You know, that experience happened inside a fiery furnace. We can't get it outside of the furnace. 
That's why we don't have more wonderful times with God. We want to sit in our easy chairs and get to know God better. The only way we're going to get a message that will help others in their fiery furnaces is to be there ourselves and come out with having, without having our hair singed. We can have victory in the fiery furnace where we are. Too many of us miss it because we want to feel sorry for ourselves. Well, God could have kept Paul and Silas out of prison. Remember last week I talked about how they were put in prison in the innermost stocks and, and all. and They could have just felt so sorry and had a huge pity party for themselves. But, you know, and they could have said God could have kept us from being beaten and, and God could have kept us from having our feet fastened in the stocks. Well, they couldn't sleep in that prison, but they could pray. They could sing and praise God. And you remember what I told you about the miracle as they were praying at midnight and singing and all the other prisoners were listening. All of a sudden there was an earthquake and all the stocks and all the chains and all the everything was loose. The doors of the cells came open and uh, God did a wonderful miracle. Remember the jailer came in. He was about to kill himself because he was afraid he was going to have to be executed by Rome. And Paul said, don't do that. We're all here. And he invited them in to eat, to have their wounds cleaned up, and said, how can I accept Jesus Christ? What must I do to be saved? And he and his whole family were saved that night, if you remember. Do we want to win souls? Oh, yes, Lord, but don't make us have to be in prison or that kind of experience in order to be able to win a soul. We, we don't want it that way. So, not many souls are won to Christ because we can't take the prison experience. Never ask why, but what? I, I, years ago, there was a lady from Spokane, Washington that... She was a member of the Church of the Nazarene up there. She was going to layman's retreat with a bunch of other laymen from the church. And just inside the Canadian border, she had a heart attack. And, and she ended up in the hospital in Canada. And, you know, she wanted to go up there and have a good time. She wanted to have fellowship with all her friends and everything. But she didn't pout and say, why me, Lord? She said, okay, God. Why am I here and what do you want me to do for you? It's not a matter of why, but what? In whatever circumstance you find yourself, why is God or what is God expecting you to do while you're there? You know, sometimes we're disappointed because things didn't go like we'd planned, but again, God knows what he's doing and our job is to trust and obey. When our girls were little, we were supposed to go to a district pastor's retreat on Orcas Island in the San Juan Islands up there in northern Washington. Marty and I really looked forward to that ride on the ferry and the beauty of the islands and the fellowship with our friends and all. We both began to feel apprehensive, though, about going, but we still wanted to go. We just had this kind of cloud hanging over us and saying, we're not sure we should go. We don't know why we shouldn't go, but we're not sure we should go. Well, finally, it got so heavy, we decided we didn't understand why, but we'd better stay home. What a disappointment. 
As it turned out, the people who were supposed to babysit our daughters and had some emergency, and they completely forgot about Tammy and Kim. And our little girls would have been alone with nobody to care for them. Thank God we listened to him. You know, God's there in every circumstance. He listens to our prayers and guides us through every situation. Modern Christians no longer understand the power of prayer for the most part. A small town had historically been dry. A local businessman decided he'd build a tavern. A group of Christians from a local church were concerned and had an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. Not long after their prayer meeting, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church, claiming the prayers of the congregation were responsible for his tragedy. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they weren't responsible. The judge, after his initial review of the case, said that no matter how this case comes out, one thing's clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians don't. You know, Christians grow through chasing and when we're exercised or, or disciplined through suffering. Romans 8, 35 through 37 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loves us. It's easy to show an attitude of victory when we're, uh, you know, out of the difficult place, when it's all past. After it's over, we claim to be more than conquerors. But what about while we're in it? Do we trust God then, or do we whimper and whine and destroy our witness? We have to trust God while we're in the trial, or we're not ever going to become strong in the Lord. We'll never be more than conquerors until we're more than conquerors in those difficult circumstances. The goal for our future is to be like Jesus. Paul said, Romans 8, 29, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 17 through 19 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory we, he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and don't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see now. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Do you see the contrast here? God speaks of light affliction now and the eternal weight of glory then. 
the pain, the trouble, the sorrows, the temptations we face now are for a moment compared to the glory we'll have in all eternity. By the way, we understand that Christ wants us to rule with him throughout eternity. And I don't think he wants a bunch of wimps trying to rule with him. He wants us to be strong and trust in him and do what God wants us to do. Dr. Helen Roseverar, I didn't say that, Roseverar, missionary to Zaire, told this story. A mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the baby alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair, so we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please give a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. Well, that afternoon a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately the little girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper in the box exclaiming, If God sent that, I'm sure he also sent a doll. She was right. Our loving God knew in advance uh, that the, what the child's sincere request would be. And five months earlier, he had led a ladies group to include both of those specific articles in this care box that was sent to us. During our times of discouragement, God knows exactly how he's going to answer our need. He can see the future and knows the check is in the mail. The answer's already been given for our particular need. And here we are worrying and sweating it out, wondering, couldn't God have done something? God wants us to pray and depend on him, but since he wants us to learn to trust him, it must be all he can do not to intervene immediately. But only in his waiting can we grow. The truth is, God's already doing something. Are you seeing only your difficult circumstances today? It's only as you keep your eyes on God that you'll be able to see your affliction as God sees them and have victory. I want to pray with you. Dear Jesus, give us faith. Help us to realize that everything that happens to us is because you allowed it to happen. And Lord, it's for our own good. It'll help us to develop, be stronger Christians, and learn to depend upon you more. And I would ask Jesus that you help everyone that's listened to this podcast to realize that you're right there and that what you have planned for them is better than anything that you could plan, they could plan for themselves. I'd pray God each one of us will move close to you and love you more. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I would urge you to find Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Uh, Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins, and I want you to know the greatest joy you'll ever have is to know that you belong to Jesus Christ and that he belongs to you. God bless you. I hope to talk with you next week. And uh, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s 
at gmail.com. My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. We'll be talking to you later. God bless you very much.